Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a business valuation consultant and author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. Thanks for tuning in. I invite you to reach out to me. You'll find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Love to hear from you. So have you ever wondered when you're working with your bank, for example, and they send you a text message to authenticate your identification, what's going on behind the scenes of that text message? Today, we're going to find out. And I'm pleased to welcome Paul Rupert, who is the CEO of Global Point View. Paul, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Hi, Dave. Great to be here. Thanks very much for the invitation and the opportunity to uh, have a conversation with you and your, your listeners. Yeah, my pleasure. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, and then we'll dive in. Sure. So I've been involved in the telecommunications business, the mobile telecommunications business, for a little over two decades. I was able to get involved in it early on uh, and help launch one of the first GSM operators in North America, which is now known as AT&T. And I've held a number of multidisciplinary roles, uh, including C-level roles, both in Fortune 100 companies like AT&T, but also private equity-owned enterprises, and even ranked cockroach startups, building them out to build building one out to a billion dollar valuation, all in the context of moving text messages. So SMS, as you just talked about in terms of how all this works, can be, a, it's akin to who builds the roads and who delivers the packages. And I've been involved in companies that do both. Gotcha. And one of the terms that I know we're probably going to touch on, we probably should just define it right now, is a, is a concept called CPAS. Communication Platform as a Service. What else do we need to know about that acronym? So CPAS is essentially a blending of the different types of platforms in which human beings all utilize to communicate digitally, electronically, via telecommunications. And that includes, uh, obviously, the most uh, prevalent is voice that we all have been using for century plus, uh, but now emerging relative to SMS or text messaging. Uh, and most recently, obviously, in the context of what we're doing right now, is the use of video but also the use of direct connections with messaging applications such as WhatsApp or Line or Kakao or Weixing or Viber, etc. Uh, Apple Business Chat is another one, um, as well as email and now an emerging technology relative to artificial intelligence and machine learning being applied to what are called chatbots. So CPAS essentially blends in all these different functionalities and platforms in which people choose to communicate with customers, their friends, et cetera, um, as, as they wish, if you will. Yeah, thank you for that. So companies are always trying to find ways to communicate with their, their audience and their, their customers, right, Paul? Where does the text message fit into that whole realm of communicating with customers? Well, I'm a little biased, but I would say that uh, text messaging is past, present, and future relative to the engagement of end consumers or customers, both on a consumer basis as well as on an enterprise basis, and it's just going to become more prevalent. Now we even have machine-to-machine -machine type messaging that occurs. So it's essentially the, the means in which, as I say, a, customer, or a company can reach out to their consumers and give an amazing amount of flexibility as to how that consumer wants to engage with a customer. It all depends on the use case. But let's say, for example, if you've got a warranty issue relative to your Mac, you might want to send them an email or you might want to send them a or make a telephone call. Or you can also use uh, text messaging to be able to engage. And by utilizing text messaging, it, it frees up 
the uh, conversation and the resolution of you as a trouble ticket in the sense that it becomes asynchronous, meaning it's not me waiting for somebody to be freed up on the customer care side and then being able to present a problem that then gets addressed by a customer care representative who then may pass you on to a technical representative, which could last hours. And instead, you can send that text message in the same context of I've got a problem with. And computers can actually, the, the artificial intelligence side of it, can actually determine your sentiment, why you might actually be sending that text message. And then it also will be addressed by a customer care rep um, in the time allotted. So you might send that text at 6 in the morning, and you might get an answer at 6 in the evening to be able to address that instead of you burning up your time and wasting your time for that interaction in a more synchronous mode, as I would call it. Yeah, interesting. So there's, there's the trade-off there of the potential of reaching somebody immediately, but we all know how that usually works when you get involved in any kind of a customer service loop. Uh, but if you're dealing with a problem that you as the, the consumer feel is more urgent, uh, does that lag in, in the timely, timeliness of the response? No, that can be all you? determined, again, not only in the context of the criticality of the message and the type of use case. So specifically in your example, if you are engaged in a banking transaction and there is a, um, a, a, a charge allocated to your account and you want to be able to get that resolved immediately, that would have a higher priority of engagement by the customer care rep or the customer care call center than if you were just making an inquiring about uh, your iPod, your, excuse me, your AirPods and having an issue relative to after you've thrown them in the washer inadvertently, um, you know, relative to your warranty. So there's a, a, a hierarchy in terms of the types of engagements. But as I mentioned earlier, the other side of this, the back end of it, is the additional digitalization and uh, automation of how to be able to address this in a customer care setting. And there are even knock-on effects for the customer care call center because call centers have about 100% turnover about every three to four months, according to those who are active in the space. I've consulted to a couple of call center providers. And um, so this kind of asynchronous activity alleviates some of the pressure on the call center representatives and they feel more satisfied in their job and they have a higher degree of performance in their job and they tend to stay on longer. So there are a lot of secondary or knock-on effects that are benefiting from the use of text messaging as an engagement tool. That's good stuff. So let, let's address that question that I uh, alluded to in the opening, if you don't mind, Paul. So when we're working, when I'm working with a bank and it sends me that text message asking me to enter you know, five or six digits to authenticate that I'm really legit, what's going on behind the scenes there? What's happening? So um, let's say you've, you've just logged into, well, we'll use Facebook, for example, because Facebook and Google uh, and these other over-the-top players uh, are the predominant share of what is called enterprise messaging, which is what we're talking about. This is kind of the definition within the industry. Um, so you are inquiring about, uh, or Facebook wants to authenticate you and validate that you are who you say you are. And they send you that text message with a six or eight digit code, which we're all accustomed to. So what happens there is there is a computer interface, an application uh, program interface, an API as it's referred to, that is run from Facebook 
to a third party, which is these third parties are these aggregators or interconnect providers or CPaaS providers. So you, these are all interchangeable in terms of how they're defined. And those are the companies that I've been involved in uh, over the course of the last 20 years. So what we do is we've helped develop that API with Facebook, that connectivity that they have with our network. And our network is comprised of direct connections with mobile network operators, and there are roughly 1,100, 1,200 mobile network operators all around the world. So we're the ones who are making sure that that delivery of, message, of that message is going to the right person, i.e. you, wherever you might be around the world. And this is one of the other unique elements of SMS in the context of it is the only uh, message format and platform that allows that to happen. We can get into the details, but that's the reality of universality of text messaging and also one of the powers behind it. So as I was saying, we then have that capability uh, to see the number and see we have your mobile network operator number, you know, your telephone number, if you will, and then pass it through into our network. And we have arrangements with the mobile network operators where we pay them to ensure that that message is delivered. And then that message is delivered to you wherever you might be. We already know who your home network is, and there are various types of computer boxes that analyze where you are. It's called a home location register. And these operators then have interconnections with other operators as well as these third-party CPaaS providers where we can have visibility on what's called the visitor location number. So all this happens literally within, the mo within, tel uh, within uh, milliseconds of time to be able to pass that through to ensure that it's delivered. And usually you're getting it you know, within a few seconds uh, at most of when it's being delivered. That's kind of the architecture of the communications network. Thank you for that, Paul. So, Paul, for folks who are watching or listening and want to learn more about you or when they want to reach out and connect with you, what's the best way for them to get in contact? Well, you can always reach out to me via LinkedIn, uh, or you can email me directly at prupert, that's P-R-U-P-P-E-R-T, at gpvltd.com. And I essentially run a uh, commercial consulting business uh, providing strategic initiatives and technical analysis as well as evaluations of different types of enterprise messaging solutions for a whole host of enterprises. My clients have included the likes of MasterCard, uh, Facebook, uh, Live Person, Western Union, as well as private equity firms and venture capital firms, and including startups. So I'd be happy to have a conversation. No obligation to see how we might be able to work together. Thank you. So, Paul, we have about two or three minutes to go in this first segment before we're going to bump up against a commercial. But I just wanted to ask you, you alluded to some of the names that you worked with and, and Facebook and so forth that you mentioned who are currently using this. But what percentage of the overall corporate universe is, is using text messaging now? And are, what are well, some of the notable? This is one of the investment aspects of why there's so much upside within the CPAS space and why there's so much interest in the space right now. Um, estimates are by some of the best analysts in the space, whether it's Gartner, Arthur D. Little, or another one that I work with directly called mobilesquare.co.uk. So if you're really interested into it, I would check out mobilesquare.co.uk. Um, the estimates are that only about 6% of the world's total registered businesses are utilizing SMS today. So we've got massive, massive upside. We also have consumer behavior 
that is migrating towards the embracing of more and more text messaging. We also have new evolutions of, of messaging innovation, um, another set of messaging called rich communication services, which is going to be just around the corner, let's say within two years or so. So all of this is adding to the power and the performance and the impact of text messaging. So there's great upside in it. Awesome. That's a great spot to take a great break here. So, Paul, don't go anywhere. We're going to pause, pay a few bills, and we will be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. Thanks. So, I'm kind of new here, but I've noticed a trend. My human does this funny thing where she goes around and gets all my toys, and then she hides them in that basket by the door. You know, but it's always the same basket, and it's always in the, in the same place. And then she acts so surprised when I find them, but, you know, she's putting them in the same basket. Again. It's like, hello? That's where you put it last time. You were the worst at hide-and-go-seek. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking with Paul Rupert, who's the CEO of Global Point View. Uh, Paul, welcome back to the second segment here of Behind the Numbers. Uh, we ended the first segment by kind of talking about the percentage of companies that currently use it. But before we move into any other discussions here, can you just finish the thought around maybe framing what's the size and opportunity of the overall industry that we're talking about here? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, the reality of most of the analysts, uh, as well as the, let's call them the practitioners who I, that I'm part of, uh, look at this space, and it's roughly about a $16 billion business globally based on that 6% usage basis. And, you know, they might be off, let's give them 10% or let's get a 3%. There's still a huge upside. The estimate is that uh, the compound annual growth rate for the next five years is going to be upwards of 30%. And that's just the rising tide, if you will. Uh, in my conversations with some of my former colleagues and even some of my former competitors, they're projecting out uh, sales goals of over 40% in some cases. So there's huge amount of opportunity on a global basis, and the numbers are, as I say, 
quite compelling, which is what's driving mergers and acquisitions, the entry of uh, large uh, aggregators and uh, large entities and such, uh, of, of which include the likes of Cisco, who have bought a couple of of aggregators recently. Um, it's, her, it's rumored to be that Microsoft is looking at this as well to get into this space, all because of that interconnectivity and that blend of capabilities in the CPaaS space. Yeah. So we've talked about practical applications from the standpoint of customer service, from the consumer uh, lens. Uh, we've talked about the two-factor authentic authentication, easy for me to say. Let's talk about a practical application for how do we drive sales and, and really kind of grow the business by using this technology? Yeah, so there are a number of ways of being able to apply it in terms of use cases um, in the context of SMS. And uh, that can be everything from qualifying uh, various types of prospects and having con a continuous stream of communication with them, especially in the reality of that we are now living in COVID and uh, that derives essentially virtual sales engagements. It's really limited by the, um, the creativity and the innovation of the application itself. Um, you know, the, the other aspects of this, if you are, you, if you are a user of Facebook for, excuse me, of um, Salesforce.com, um, they have integrated SMS into the Salesforce process to be able to migrate their prospects uh, or your prospects uh, through the funnel. So there are a lot of different ways in which this can be applied. Much of it depends on the type of sale that you're engaged in with. Um, it can be as simple as digital sales, which is what we all do via m-commerce, mobile commerce. It can also be in terms of strategic sales, in terms of being able to provide information or hot links into uh, further information that uh, might advance a sale. Uh, or it could be even in the context of external sales or, excuse me, inside sales to be able to provide information after you might have um, connected via or with a company via a website application. So these conversations are happening inside marketing departments. This is not just a technology conversation, right? Oh, absolutely. It's not really driven by the technology itself. Um, it's not the technology for the sake of the technology by any means. It is really driven by the pure convenience provided to consumers, as well as the capabilities provided to, you know, in a business-to-business -business or enterprise context. Any international considerations in terms of cultural differences that may impact this kind of a, a dynamic? Well, the reality of having built out one of these businesses uh, from scratch, one of the pioneering CPaaS players or messaging uh, interconnect providers, the reality is that the telecommunications space is a global space. So as I mentioned earlier, um, you can't just come in, come in and say, oh, we're going to provide services. Uh, we're going to provide SMS or aggregating services uh, for just North America or for just the United States because the reality is if you are a United Airlines uh, passenger and you're getting off a plane in Beijing and you're about to get on a plane to uh, Chengdu, you want to be able to make sure that that message is delivered to that customer, wherever they might be. So it is a going global from the start type, dy type dynamic, and that's how the, uh, the leading players in this space, in many cases, started off their businesses, including one that I was responsible for. So whether it's business to consumer or business to business, can you, can you talk a little bit about the return on investment of this text messaging as a way of communicating? Wow. Um, 
that Sorry about goes, that. <laughs> speaks to specifically the type of use case. Okay. Um, I mean, it's also, it's almost kind of talking about what's the ROI of a wheel. Uh, <laughs> you know, it all depends on how it's put to use. That was my next question, uh, by the way, Paul. <laughs> I'm sorry, could you repeat that? That was my next question, the ROI of the wheel, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you get the idea here yeah. in the context of this has such versatility and flexibility in the context of what it might be driving, whether it's um, a convenience factor, as I say, for consumers, it's a time-saving factor for both consumers as well as corporations, uh, there's the efficiency factor behind making all of this as a you know, the, the case study that I told you about in terms of customer care, uh, you know, there in a B2B context, there's uh, the Internet of Things, which is machine-to-machine -machine messaging that's going on in terms of text messages being exchanged between machines, you know, without having that human factor added in, which is a cost factor, if you will. So it, it really depends on how it's put to use, but it's got such versatility it can be put to use in so many different cases. I mean, even in fact, uh, I was listening to, of all things, um, uh, I'm kind of like a, a watch nut for the last 60 years of my life practically, and I was listening to um, a podcast uh, put on by a group called Hodinkee, which is a very well-known um, website, and they were talking about a Garmin um, dive computer that actually sends out a text message relative to sending notifications to your friends where you might be diving from the geographic location. And to me, that was like very cool. <laughs> so, Yeah, hey, and I thought it was cool to understand that your refrigerator can send you a text message or your washing yeah, machine. Yeah, that can be as well. Um, a lot of different ways to be able to put this in use. Right. I'll ask you an easier question. How can folks get in contact with you if they wanted to have a conversation, Paul? Uh, well, the easiest way is LinkedIn, and so you can find me on, on LinkedIn as Paul R. Rupert, which is my middle initial, um, or alternatively, you can email me directly at prupert, and that's P-R-U-P-P-E-R-T, at gpvltd.com, uh, which is my consulting company, Global Point View Limited. Thank you. We have about five minutes to go in the program, Paul, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about the patents that you have. Oh, uh, okay. Um, you know, I was asked recently, what doesn't fit on your resume? And I would have to say, well, the fact that I've got two patents in the space for SMS interoperability, but my undergraduate degree is in political science and my graduate degree is in public administration. <laughs> Those two things don't equate. Uh, so being inside a startup, as I mentioned, I came into a rank cockroach startup, as I called it, employee number 12. I was brought in specifically to build out the interconnectivity business on a global basis, which is a differentiator at that time, we're talking about 20 years ago, uh, from the other providers and our other competitors. And as such, we were, uh, I have prior experience um, as a product development director in Silicon Valley. So I was always looking at opportunities and looking at startups in terms of what can we use from them, what's creative that they're providing, what's innovative and really breakthrough opportunities that we could mirror or steal or build ourselves or buy from them. And so being in this new role, uh, being able to build this out, we uh, 
purposely focused on being uh, being able to develop various types of patents uh, as intellectual property assets that would make a higher value for the company. And um, you know, over lunch one day, myself and one of the technologists in the company, we started going back and forth relative to interoperability of text messaging using IP. Uh, functionality, otherwise known as digital capabilities now, but back then it was referred to as IP. And uh, we started coming up with this idea and we actually had a general counsel who we could sit down with and go, here's the idea. And he was like, that's a really good idea. Let's start looking in, into it as to whether there's a patent or business process that we can patent behind it. And there was. So about two years later, we got the patent issued. It was nice. a great experience, to be honest. Yeah, I can imagine. We have about two minutes to go, Paul, but I want to just ask you to end on, on this note, if you could, in a rel relatively concise way. Uh, in your consulting space, you've obviously seen good, bad, and ugly. Uh, what advice or tips can you share with uh, folks who are watching and listening as to what maybe they're doing wrong or things they can be doing better? Yeah, I always look at this um, from the strategy side of start with the answer. Um, look at what you are trying to do in the context of where you want to go. Take a snapshot of your capabilities presently, look at the gap and figure out how to be able to apply the resources as well as the change management, which is really critical, um, to be able to redirect to where you want to be. Um, another factor, years ago I used to run political campaigns and learned then there are, always, there are only five resources that you can apply to a problem, which is time, money, people, talent, and will. Now, once I got into the private sector in the technology world, I added a sixth, which was technology. But the reality of those six factors, five of them can be manufactured. One cannot, which is time. So that goes back to the change factor and being able to manage change to get to that goal of where do you want to be. And where you want to be may be world domination in your, sp in your space. That's okay. You know, just be able to figure out where you need to go and then figure out what you need to get and then go off and execute on it. And you know whether it's the visionary help relative to a consultant or just the numbers of people you throw at the problem, whatever it might be, that's the, uh, let's say, the, the two-minute consultancy. <laughs> Perfect. Well done. Thank you for sharing that, Paul. And thanks for sharing your uh, insights and experience with us today on Behind the Numbers. Great having you. Thank you, Dave. It was great. And thank you at home for watching and listening or wherever you're watching and listening. Uh, we appreciate you. We can't do this without your support. Wherever you're watching, please hit the subscribe button, stay in contact with us, and we will look forward to seeing you again next time on Behind the Numbers. Until then, take care, everybody.